Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone. It's Deborah Kozowski once again with the Millionaire Woman Show, where we talk about leadership, business, and human potential. And I am super excited with today's guest. Robert Clancy is a creative visionary, number one best-selling author, spiritual teacher, co-founder of Spiral Design Studio. At the age of eight, uh, 19, Robert had a divine spiritual experience that altered his life in profound ways. And in 2012, he created the Robert Clancy Guide to the Soul Facebook fan page where he shares his divinely inspired thoughts, now followed by over 670,000 people worldwide. He is a sought-after speaker, presenter, and guest. Robert is also a regular contributor to the weekly guest on Los Angeles KABC radio syndicated late-night health radio show. His latest book, Soul Ciphers, Decoding a Life of Hope and Happiness, released in October 2017, quickly became an international bestseller. Robert recently completed his filming of the episode for the 2018 season of the Emmy Award-winning Dr. Nandy Show, which reaches over 300 million people on major cable and satellite television networks such as Discovery and ABC. Through his passion for exceptional design and innovative technology, he co-founded Spiral Design Studio nearly a decade ago to lead an award-winning creative team in the evolution of major corporate brands, marketing, and web development. Spiral Design is one of the largest full-surface graphic design and web development firms in the Northeast. Spiral Design's clients include dozens of corporations, educational, and healthcare organizations, nonprofits, and startups, including Citigroup, Activision, Disney, Zales, The Home Depot, Best Buy, and American Airlines, among others. Robert's first published book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul, is an evocative collection of inspirational stories and transcendental journeys that will transform the way you think about community service while bringing deeper meaning to your career path and your life. His second book, Daily Downloads and Fortune Cookies from the Universe, offers inspirational thoughts within nine uplifting categories to help center your spirit and encourage your compassion for humanity. Balancing his corporate commitments with his lifelong passion for humanity, Robert supports ongoing volunteerism within his business and everyday life. His dedication to community at both regional and national levels inspires his teams and encourages professional leaders to step back and give back. As early as age six, Robert committed his life to assisting others, whether volunteering, helping them to succeed, or even offering a friendly smile. Robert is a husband, father, and a fifth degree master black belt in martial arts instructor, and Robert Clancy is a dedicated volunteer who completely embodies the spirit of service, a selfless committed commitment to helping others, making a positive difference in the world. 
and I am super excited to have you all to ourselves <laughs> on the show. And, uh, you know, I was watching some of the videos on your website and to get to know you a little bit, what I like to, you know, scope out my <laughs> guests before they come on the show. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to have the spiritual side and business really come together. So how do you bring heart <laughs> into business? Well, first I have to say, people are probably wondering, does that guy sleep? Uh, yes, I still get <laughs> eight true. hours of sleep. <laughs> and I, I didn't even list the other stuff going on. There's more things. Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about how, how do you bridge that gap between the two uh, or bring both those together? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm a ones and zeros guy who also knows the X's and O's, and that's how it kind of comes together. <laughs> I'm a programmer, so I'm very logical. And um, when we started, my wife and I founded Spiral. We decided, um, you know, we're putting, we're taking from the community, so we need to put something back into it. So even when we had our new office or when we moved to office, everybody wants to bring a bottle of wine or something, you know, to thank you. And we contacted the women's, uh, the, the shelter for battered women and children and asked them what they needed. We had a list. We sent that out to everybody and said, instead of bringing us a gift, let's fill up our new conference room. And it was filled with toys, games, everything that was needed by the shelter. And it's just a way to give back. And I've always volunteered with um, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership uh, for the last uh, 29 consecutive years, inspiring wow. high school sophomores and Two weekends ago, it was, again, a three-day conference. We raised all the money to put this together. There's uh, about 400 uh, students and staff attending this thing for three days, and it goes off without a hitch. They've got it down, and I've been in long enough now that some of the youth that I've inspired when they were 15 are now married with kids, and they're adult volunteers and running it. So it's, uh, wow. I got to see the legacy unfold. Yeah, and this all started for you since you were a child. Is there anything specific that happened for you um, at a young age to inspire you to volunteer? Yeah, it was, um, I had a profound experience uh, on our vacation to Jamaica. And it was the first time that, um, you know, we went on this huge trip with my family. My parents bought all brand new clothes for me. And, you know, back then it was 1971. I know I don't look as old as I am. Uh, I think it's working with the youth all these years. But yeah, 1971 when I was six. And uh, so now you can figure out how old I am. Uh, <laughs> we went on this vacation and, and it took, you know, you had to pack everything. And it was a big deal to go, you know, away for almost a month, you know, in, in, in Jamaica. So we landed in this foreign, it felt like I was on another planet. And just all people of color, and just the sights, the sounds, the smells, everything, just completely alien. And um, met this guy. Uh, I didn't know how to swim, but he was the pool guy. He introduced himself as Alex the Pool Man. And he was probably, I'd say, in the photo that I have of him, he looks like he's about 20 years old, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. It's almost as if we knew each other. Like, we... It was just like, oh, there you are, you know, and, and we became instant friends and, and he took me under his wing. He ended up saving my life in three different ways during that um, trip. The first was he taught me how to swim and I fell in the pool later when no one was around at night. I slipped in and uh, fully clothed, <laughs> but I was able to save myself because I could swim out. I probably wow. would have drowned. And when I told him, 
he was so excited he was going to reward me. He took me down the beach to a secret area where he had all these shells. And on the way, I went running after this purple balloon in the water, huge purple balloon. And I ended up having the wind knocked out of me because he threw me like a, he chased me like a cheetah, hooked me under my arms and threw me almost over his head. And I landed on my back um, and the purple balloon wrapped around his legs. Well, it turned out to be a Portuguese man of war jellyfish. Oh, and it would have killed me. Wow. It was the biggest one that he ever saw. And I still see his face like when he told me, you know, I would have died, but also I saw the scars and the, and the burns on his leg, the new ones from this, but also he had scars. And he told me those weren't from the jellyfish. Those are from the times that he risked his life to support his village. And he told me about this beautiful village that he comes from. And I begged my parents, drove them absolutely crazy until they let him take me there. So I go up to this village and it's the first time I saw poverty on that level. And it was just him and I, my parents arranged with the resort to have him drive me up there. Probably wouldn't happen in today's day, but um, I had this magical journey with him and all the kids brought fruit, put it all around me and they made a crown out of palm leaves and put it on my head. And then they hoisted me onto a donkey and walked me through the village. And I remember seeing how the kids had torn clothes, but they were all happy. Like they didn't really need toys. They didn't have any. Everything was, you know, everything they had was right there. And they treated me like royalty. And I kept telling them, no, I'm just like you. You don't have to do this. But they were all smiling ear to ear and couldn't wait to meet me. And they prayed to me through the whole village. And um, when I left, I gave all my clothes to the kids. Wow. How cool. That's the third way he saved me by saving my soul. And um, so it's always, I think, been in there. I found out last year that the ceremony that they did for me is a Jamaican ceremony where they welcome a spiritual teacher or leader to their village and it emulates Jesus in Nazareth. And that's what they did. Wow. At age six. So I guess I've always been on this path. You must be, and other people have recognized that long time ago or planted the seed in you. Something, to, yeah. To do that. Wow. So when I um, think about leadership and I think about leaders having insight, because when we talk about, you know, volunteering, building into the community, but mm-hmm. even in my work with emotional intelligence, there's many leaders that, you know, we can run into that don't always have the insight and self-awareness. And I know you uh, talk a little bit about that importance of that self-awareness to see how their people are receiving them as well as how they are receiving themselves. Can you touch on a little bit of that? Yeah, that comes from a little bit from my martial arts background. So um, in martial arts, when you're being attacked, you apply pain to the person in some way to get them to retract. So the body when it sees pain or something like that, we'll move away from it. Well, that also happens psychologically. Like when we see somebody in the workplace, one of our staff members, a team member, someone else, even one of the leaders in the group, and they're going through something, and we all are. Every person on this planet is, has some challenge and something happening. You know, it's not all perfect um, yeah. potpourri and roses out there. Um, we tend to pull away. And that's the time that you need to go in because as a martial artist, we're trained to go into the pain. Or if somebody's swinging a stick at you, the worst place to be is at the end of it. You want to be at the beginning of it. So 
your body, when somebody starts swinging at you, you start backing up doing this. Right. Where as a martial artist, I have to resist that and go the opposite of what I want to do. And sometimes that's part of that leadership is understanding that you need to do that. You need to stand up for what's right. You need to keep yourself in, in a safe place, but also to create that for others and to go into that. And sometimes it's just smiling, sharing the greatest tool that you carry with you every day, or it's saying a kind word or just asking a question or just being an ear just so that they can talk. And it's that connection. And um, this became very apparent two weekends ago while I was volunteering. There's all these high school sophomores. Um, so the whole weekend, they're pretty much not on their phones at all. I mean, they're, they're volunteering, they're interacting, they're talking, they're collaborating, they're creating, they're working as a team to develop a cheer. There's all this enthusiasm. On the last night that we were there, they're all sitting in a group, almost, you know, most, some of them were crying and saying, this is the first time that I've communicated with others on this level yeah. where I've been able to speak and talk and listen. So they found out that their brains are connected to their mouth, which is connected to their heart <laughs> and not connected to the phone. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of the important pieces. And it's so important to have that heart to brain connection because when it comes to relating to other people, we all crave connection yet many times we can just be hiding behind a tool right. to avoid that connection. And that's where I find when it comes to the soft skills of working with people that it uh, can be challenging. So and that's one of the biggest things that the school districts are working on in my region are the soft skills. Everything else is in place that the students need to come out with those. That's the biggest thing that employers and everybody are looking for are those kinds of skills. Yeah. And what I find fascinating about your work, and I'd love for you to share more, is about bringing the soul piece into business. Because often when I think of people who have, have had a spiritual experience or a spiritual journey, and they say, you know, we're going to talk about manifesting today and bringing it into business, <laughs> that business organizations are like, oh, yeah, none, none of that stuff here. Yeah. So I'm, I'd love to know how do you approach organizations about putting that soul into their business to create that human connection? Well, for about 30 years, you know, I kept what happened to me at age 19 a secret, even from my own family. So I told my father in 2012 on Mother's Day, that's when my mother well, it was the day before Mother's Day when she passed away. Mm. I knew she was going to pass at 2.30 on Mother's Day in, in the morning. And I told him what happened to me at 19 and it's a, you know, divine experience. And I kept this a secret from almost everyone, including all the people in business. And I, I just did things. Um, but I, I mean, there's no easy way to say it. I, I had an angel manifest in front of me at age 19 at my lowest point of my life. And I'm the most sane person you'll meet on this planet. And I'm the most logical person. I got a hundred on a logic exam in college. So I'd say that's pretty much proof in the, in the case that I was not hallucinating because this, this entity was there for uh, what seemed like an hour or somewhere in there. Um, and I know what I saw yeah. and I know what happened and I had to live the rest of my life knowing. So how do you bring that into business? I mean, there's no easy way to do that. So what I, what I did is um, once I, I wrote my book, I didn't write it in the first book, my hitchhiker's guide. 
I just wasn't ready to tell the story. I put it into my latest book. Um, and it's actually the story of when I told my father, which is more powerful because that's the connection and to bring peace to him mm-hmm. of what happened. So the soul connection with business is through volunteer work, through giving back, through doing something positive in the community, um, whether you serve on a board of directors or, you know, roll up your sleeves and get involved in, in a project or simply getting out there and sharing your smile, uh, even if you don't have time for the busy professional. And trust me, you read my resume. Uh, do I seem like I'm not busy, but I still have time for that. And yeah. it's called balance. And that's another piece that I get from martial arts. It's bringing balance and harmony into that. And you cannot run business without the spiritual connection. We are not humans with souls. We're souls surrounded in our humanity. And business is not about business. It's about people. It always has been. And once you understand that connection, everyone has a soul. Everyone has an experience. Everybody has some belief, whether it's a belief in nothing at all or a belief in everything. So somewhere in between and even a belief in nothing is still a belief. So there's, there's a connection for all of us and a learning that, that occurs there. So when you bring, cause you're bringing and creating that giving back mentality cause, and it should, we think it should be so natural, you know, and tell us about a time when you've had people maybe resist some of that soul into business, but once they got involved in volunteerism and giving back, how it has shifted for them and what it, what it has done for the business. Well, it's in, you know, not only our own staff, you know, they went out and got involved in the, there was a church next door having uh, um, a bake sale or something. And, and it was at uh, Thanksgiving time. They've gone over there to help. And they were so energized when they came back that they wanted to do more. And I think that speaks to what that experience is. You really can't have a bad time giving um, and we're also trained to give. I mean, that's, that's part of it. But also, I try to teach the converse of that is learning to receive when somebody's trying to help you. Because that's taking away the opportunity for the other person to give if you don't receive. So yeah. it is this reciprocity that happens between both. And that's really how uh, you can shape and teach your staff, your people and family. And the other is that you, you couple it with a passion. So that's the, makes it easy. When you have a passion about something and you connect those dots. So we might have staff members who are avid mountain bikers. Well, if there's some way that they can run a spinning class for underprivileged kids at a Y, that, that's going to connect that passion they already have or something along those lines. Yeah. In, in my own world, I had a bucket list item. We, as a child, we would uh, create shoe boxes and send them to the orphanages in Ukraine. And Mm -hmm. all I kept thinking is I need to see the face of one child, just one child open my box. And um, our church had a bulletin that went out that said that they had some need. And Mm -hmm. this was, this is going on 11 years ago now. Yeah. I approached the school and we were able to go to a under more underprivileged kids in a school in our own community and work in our own community Mm -hmm. and start with giving 125 boxes and uh, kids, it got addictive for me um, just to watch those eyes light up, that spirit that came yeah. from them and to be able to receive that thinking, you know, you're thinking at the time when I was preparing, I'm like, oh, you know what? I hope they love this. I can't wait to see their face. 
and with no expectation <laughs> of anything, right? And then we have, you know, a room full of adults that are in tears. And I think it's because we want to find so much more meaning in our work. And I think people are sometimes in roles in work life where they've lost that meaning. They've lost that passion for what they do. And um, from just hearing you just these several minutes, it's if they started looking outside of themselves, they would start to begin to have a shift. Well, there's two parts. You got to look within yourself and then apply it to outside yourself. (laughs) Very good point. That's really the shift. That's where all the light is in here um, and bringing whatever's that, your passion and your light out to others. And that's really the the key point and finding that. And you know you're on the right path when each step that you take, it brings joy. That's how you know you're doing the right thing. And many people don't know what to look for. So it is about just finding joy in the simplest (laughs) things. And if you're enjoying yourself, why not do more of it? Yeah. (laughs) So that light that you talk about, I think what you're talking about is love. And I know you have a special acronym for the word love. Yes, I do. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about uh, that. Yeah, I wrote that back in 1994 when I was uh, chair of the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership. And then I went on to the World Leadership Congress where there was 35 countries with students from all over the world. And I'm still in touch with a lot of them, uh, believe it or not. They're, they keep you know track. They're all married and have kids now. Cool. But, uh, uh, the acronym is uh, for love is Leadership, Opportunity, Volunteerism, and Enthusiasm. And if you fill your heart with love, life will mend itself. But if you fill your soul with that love, you'll be able to mend the hearts of others. And that's really how that all goes together. And what drew you to leadership? I think you'd need to have it. My dad, uh, one thing was, uh, you know, he told me very early on, anybody can be a follower. It takes a few to be a leader and know when you have to lead by following and know the difference. And he was in World War II he was in the D-Day invasion on, on the Normandy beach and went through that and liberated a concentration camp. And he saw probably some of the most horrific things one person can do to another. And I saw photos because my mother threw them out, but they're burned into my mind because I saw them as a child, what pictures he took of things that occurred over there. Right. And he said, I've seen the worst that people can do to others. And that's why I volunteered. That's why I gave myself, and he was in the army at age 17 and went over there to fight for other people who couldn't stand up for themselves. And he said, you need to be a leader so you can stand up for others. And on this journey, I found that anytime that you're a leader, you need to take people to a place worth going. And that always ends with love. So as long as you're on that journey, you're never going to go wrong when you take people there. Yeah, that's very powerful. You sound like... Your father taught you a lot of life lessons. Yes. And my mother too, with uh, volunteer work. Yeah. So who have been the mentors and role models that you have followed um, who've taught you to, to be the person you are today? Well, I mentioned my dad and the other is my, uh, my mother and she was a beautician. And really I learned what her life was all about at her wake. Um, during her funeral when these women came up to me and said, I know I'm not the prettiest person in the world, 
but your mother, you know, always made me look beautiful, but more so she always made me feel beautiful. Mm. And so that's that your with her smile. And she smiled every day of her life. I couldn't find a photo of her in our collection of photos. Every one of them, she's smiling. And I thought, you know, and I remember even before I could speak, her sharing that smile with me. Yeah. And, you know, I think people take it for granted. They, you know, it's Monday morning, they're going into work or they're going into their businesses and, you know, might got a cut off in traffic or construction in front of them and they get all <laughs> miserable and, you know, and it all it oh, takes. Me. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it could happen <laughs> but, to all of us. But you also have to smile. So I try to catch myself and then consciously go, okay, I got to laugh about this. Oh, yeah. And you also told me before we came on, that you have a TV show. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I have an amazing co-host, Lisa Winston, and our show is the Mindset Reset Show. So it's about changing perspective on everything. And uh, we've, uh, if you go to MindsetResetTV.com, that's the, uh, the website for everything. But it has um, amazing guests so far have shown up. We have uh, Dr. Joe Vitale, who was in The Secret, and I don't know how many movies he's been in. Um, and how many books he's written so many books. He can't even list them all. It's like 57 to, I don't know. I have books. one of his books on my shelf. Hip yeah, I've got one right here. So uh, <laughs> this is his book. Uh, it is, uh, he just gave me this book. So it's, uh, <laughs> Oh, awesome. <laughs> anything is possible. And it is. Um, so he's on there. We have uh, D Wallace, who was the, um, you probably know her from Steven Spielberg's ET. He, uh, she's the oh, mother. Yes. Um, she's also been in tons of horror films. <laughs> uh, there's uh, another, uh, Kevin Sorbo, who was Hercules in the television series, but he just, um, with his wife, produced the movie Let There Be Light, and uh, he's done some faith-based movies recently he's producing. Uh, we have Arielle Ford. She's like the priestess of love and relationships and uh, a best-selling author. We've got some amazing uh, documentary producers to... Um, celebrities, and then uh, just people that you need to know, you know, people that have a beautiful message and looking forward to that. It, it's actually, uh, it goes on traditional cable television as well as uh, all of, it's on everything. So you can get it on Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, you can get it from DirecTV uh, to tv to go app. So it's on every platform you can think of. It's coming out in July. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. So tell us, what do you do to re do that mindset reset for yourself? It's, um, I try to always keep in mind that there's always a silver lining. And the words that, uh, the other thing that happened to me from my divine experience is I have a catalog of what I call downloads. There's no other way to describe it, but yeah. all the quotes are stored as pictures. So it is looking at the big picture and you never really see it. So picture yourself standing on your very small and you're in the middle of a beautiful Renoir painting. All you're going to see around you is a glob of brown or green. You're not going to see that image until you back up. So you never see the great picture God paints for you because you're always standing on the canvas. You just have to trust that that image is beautiful. And so there's always a silver lining in everything. So it's changing your perspective on, yeah, why did this happen? Um, my 18-year-old niece died suddenly uh, at college, in her first year of college, from complications from diabetes. 
Mm-hmm. And why did that happen? And, uh, you know, you start getting negative or, you know, I had a, my best friend's sister commit suicide or both of my parents and, you know, passed away, you know, in a very short amount of time and all this stuff. But um, when I look at it, my mother, you know, here's an example, like she was diagnosed with cancer and cancer took her smile. That smile I told you she had on her face the entire time I've seen her. And then shortly after that, she developed dementia. So now my sister is just devastated because she's got cancer and dementia and she's going to forget who we are. It's kind of like Alzheimer's. And do you know what she forgot? She forgot she had cancer. It took her short-term memory. Yeah. So there were two bonuses to that. One, she lived the rest of her life with a smile on her face. And I believe that it extended her life. The other part was that, you know, there was no more worry, no more doubt, no more fear of all those things. And she would tell us stories from her long-term memory. So anytime you were there, sometimes she would say the same story five times, six times you'd hear it. But, you know, as frustrating as that might sound, I now know every detail of all those stories that were from my childhood. Yeah. And otherwise you may not have ever heard those stories. Right. Within that detail and over and over so that it's committed to my memory the same way. Yeah. And then you can share that story with other people. How, how amazing. And, and that's just that gentle shift in perspective of what did we gain? I call Um, them silver linings. You look for the silver linings and the other part is meditation and you can even do mini, mini meditation just by, Um, centering yourself or having gratitude in the morning when you wake up before you start your day, just think of just something quick. It could be a half a second, just smile before you even, you know, step out of your bed and hit, hit the floor. Yeah. And it, and it's so simple, like the smile, because I've been sometimes termed myself as the Cheshire cat. So I'm going to relate to your mom. (laughs) Um, but it just brings joy, right? It's just yeah. like someone's light. Because when you smile, you can't help have your eyes twinkle. Right. Well, like see, you know, when, I, when the angel appeared to me, she didn't have an expression really on her face. It was like more just very simple. And I, well, the first thing I said was, oh, my God. The second thing I was, um, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, what? Uh, and then... Um, I knew why she was there because I was pretty close to not being here anymore. Mm. That was my last ditch effort. Like if I didn't get something that night, I was pretty much done with life. And I was in a very dark place, just off, just didn't care about anything. And I was, um, I lost so many friends to suicide and all these things happened. I was almost kicked out of college and I'm a straight A student. So it was kind of like my whole life fell apart. Yeah. And um, then I thought, you know, can you read minds? And I thought of something like a silly uh, joke. And that's when she smiled and nodded her head and she never stopped smiling. And I realized that that's, that's the greatest tool that we have with us every day. And the first person that you should share the smile with is yourself. Yeah. Because you're never alone. I smile when I'm alone because I know I never am. Very cool. That's Very cool. how I start. I have to remember that. <laughs> So with you have, having been in a dark place before, we never know who's listening or watching uh, the Millionaire Woman show. 
Mm-hmm. So if someone, because, you know, especially in the media right now with the loss of yeah. some phenomenal, phenomenal yes. creative people, you know, Kate Spade, um, um, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. Bourdain, you know, we're losing these individuals who we looked up to and saw and thought, wow, they got everything going. Yeah. And people may have even looked at you the same way, Robert. So I wonder what words of wisdom that you can share with people who might be in that place or they have someone in their family that, or a friend that is going through that. What advice would you give them? Well, there's, there's two sides to it. And the first is that, um, you know, when you see somebody like that, a celebrity, or even my best friend's sister who was at the top of her class, valedictorian, amazing volunteer she had postpartum psychosis you know so her brain broke and she committed suicide and you know there was or you know took her life and you look at that so I realized with my best friend when he called me to tell me what happened because I I've known her since she was born and I've known him since I was two so we said if she's at risk we all are yeah we all are that's the first thing to realize. And sometimes sharing your smile might change someone's mind from committing suicide or taking their life. And the other is that you have to get through. So whatever it is, you know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And I look at the big picture. So mathematically and logically, and I'll just explain this to you. If you add light together, it gets brighter. When you add darkness together, nothing changes until you add light to it. And then there is no more darkness. So understanding that light creates the darkness, that means that the light is around us all the time, that love, and you're surrounded by it, that there's always someone who cares about you. And it doesn't matter you know, if you don't see it or feel it because they do. And that's it. That's what happens, you know, and, and understanding that bigger picture. You know, I, I have these quotes that come in. So one of them is angels always win a battle of darkness because their weapon of choice is light. Prayers are the best instant messenger service in the universe. They always reach their destination and it's instant. Light um, is the only other thing in the universe that also travels at the speed of love. And when you look up, there's no limit to the heavens above you. Therefore, when you look up, and there's a metaphor, not only looking up physically, but lifting yourself up. There's no limit to where you can go and what you can do. And that is the key to life. That's very powerful message. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you have so many talents <laughs> and uh, so, much, so many gifts to give the world. And I'm curious, what has been your greatest lesson in throughout all of this journey? that you can make a difference if you try. I woke up on December 1st, 2012, and that's when I decided that I'm not gonna keep what happened to me a secret, but also I woke up different that day with a different clarity on the world. And I decided to just start posting words. I said, all right, I'm gonna do this. I woke up and I said, I'm gonna post one inspirational thing every week for an entire year. I'm gonna write something and make something. And then I thought, that's too easy. I should go for every day. And I did it for four straight years. My page grew from 111 people to now it's very close to 700,000 people around the world. 
And I've had people message me saying, I read what you wrote today and I changed my mind on taking my life. Wow. What if I didn't do that journey? Yeah. What if you didn't put that post, that one post that spoke to them? Exactly. So know that everyone has a story to tell. You have a story to tell and understanding that. And, and that's what keeps you centered. It's knowing that each of us have a unique journey. And I love the metaphor of superheroes because uh, superheroes have several things in common. And I've had the, uh, I'll tell you a story. I actually was, <laughs> I actually have a, a movie replica of Spider-Man. Long story how I got it, because I'm not like, like a big full, comic full on, full on. Like, yeah. a full-size yeah. body. It zips up to the neck, and you put the headpiece on, and it's literally a replica of the exact movie costume. I mean, it's dead on. Cool. Um, I've been able to go to the children's hospital oh, with this God. costume. So it was first at a, my friend's birthday party uh, for his son. He, he said the guy wasn't able to make it and can you do it? And I went kicking and screaming, there's no way I'm putting on a, a leotard. I'm like, he doesn't like Iron Man or something. You know, can I be that? And he said, no, no, Spider-Man's his hero. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to wear this. Like, you know, um, so I went and did it. And, uh, you know, the only thing was that the kids, uh, he told me if, if my son figures out it's you, it's going to ruin, you know, he's going to be devastated you know, that we faked them or tricked them or something. And so he said, you got to be Spider-Man. That's it. And one of the kids that recognized me at the party, I thought he looked into my mask and he said, I know who he is. And I'm telling everyone and I'm looking at my friend like, no, 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 no. And he said, oh yeah. And he got all the kids and he said, he's Peter Parker. <laughs> and at that moment I realized I am Spider-Man. So I brought them all in and I said, you know what the greatest word is? The most powerful word? It's love. And you need to use that every day. And they're, they're going, love, love's good, love's good. And I said, you have to hug your parents and you, you have to do all these things. Uh, you know, take out the garbage and do your homework. And the parents are all nodding. And, and then I had to leave and go change. And I changed, it came back and, um, you know, I was a regular Joe. I just walked in. But the second time I went in, I was greeted by all the parents. And this one woman hugged me and she was crying. And she said, you are a superhero. And that's the greatest gift that someone's ever given my child. So I went to the children's hospital, which was amazing. Um, Just uh, I went up to one of the floors and the director came out and he said, "A, a young boy just passed away moments ago. We're going to have to wait before you can go in. Mm. Well, you can't see Spider-Man cry. Yeah. You can't see him smile either. Yeah. So I had to bring it with me. Yeah. The unique thing about that costume is that you have to be, your whole body has to smile. And so this little girl was in one of the rooms and I couldn't go in the room because she was so sick that you had to be gowned. So she was, I couldn't see because the room was kind of dark and the director was saying, oh my God, she's blowing you kisses. And so I would do this and I was blowing her kisses and I was doing things. And then I had a card that where I'm getting to the point of all superheroes have something in common. The card said, 
All superheroes have one thing in common. They never, ever, ever give up on hope. That's very true. Nurse read that to her. She put it on her chest and held it there. I mean, those are moments you can't not ever forget. And the director told me he'll never forget that moment. And I've been able to go back a couple of times, and I'm actually coordinating with the Ronald McDonald House to do a visit there. I have to do, keeps me in shape because you have to do like a 3,000 sit-ups to get in this thing. This, this costume <laughs> does not have built-in pecs and muscle. You have to bring your own. Yeah. I have to literally look like Spider-Man. And I have, uh, she was the former Miss Teen New York. She is dead on for Wonder Woman. She looks exactly like Wonder Woman. And she's got a full movie replica. So we're going to team up. And I have another guy who literally looks like Captain America and has um, the shield used in the movie. Oh, wow. So all three of us. I went with Captain America last time. So my, my team's growing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're crossing universes. Those of you that are Marvel and DC, yeah, Wonder Woman's going to meet <laughs> Spider-Man. I know it doesn't make any sense to anybody, but it's fine. We'll, we'll deal with that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've always been a big fan of Wonder Woman myself. I'll have to say that's what I was going to be when I grew up. Well, I showed people the picture of she had a photo shoot with her dressed as as Wonder Woman. And people said, yeah, no, I saw the movie. And I said, no, this is who's going with me to the. <laughs> and they're like, wait, that's a photo. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's that's the girl who's going to be coming with me as Wonder Woman. And they're like, Oh my God, like I thought that was the movie poster. Wow. That's how spot on that she looks. I mean, it's literally, yeah. But you know what? I've, I've sensed that there's a common theme throughout our conversation today. And it really is about being a superhero in, in life. Yes. And how, how we need to show up and be. And I, yeah. I love how you touched on that in being whether it be in business whether it be in your leadership role whether it be in volunteerism right all the energy and everything comes through you so whatever you want to attract into your life whatever you want to focus on and get in your life it all starts here versus outside of you yeah and and dr joe vitale on the show was just talking about accelerated uh manifestation like bringing how do you do that and it's you just imagine yourself already there. It's not that you hope to have this or I'd like to or I wish or please bring me this. It's just be in the space that you're already there enjoying it. And then it just clicks. Like I did that with the television show because I wanted to reach more people with a positive message. I was doing Facebook Live. It really wasn't reaching enough because Facebook was diminishing the reach on on things over time it's really you know they've kind of clamped down because they want you to pay and boost and whatever yeah um two days later i just envisioned myself having the show and two days later i had a contract in my hand through a series of weird coincidences there are no coincidences yeah exactly <laughs> it all aligned and the television you. network president was saying i'd like to two days earlier was saying i want people to come who have a positive message to go on the network and then they just clicked. It just went, yep, you two need to talk. And that's how love it. put it all together. <laughs> I love it. Well, Robert, we're almost at the end here. What would be yep. one piece of advice you would love to leave with our audience, whether they're listening, they could be at the gym, they could be driving in the car right now. Um, 
what is one lesson that you want them to walk away from this podcast with today? That really anything is possible. So there's nothing that's not possible. It's never too late to start something. I started martial arts in my late 30s. I am a fifth degree martial arts instructor who owns, I actually own my own martial arts school. It's never too late. You know, I wanted to do it when I was younger and I started late. I was a white belt at like 38 (laughs) and I'm a fifth degree black belt uh, testing in February for my sixth degree. Wow. And I've got two. I actually have a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and a fifth degree in Chun Tu Kwan Hapkido. Wow. And, and that explains to me because you're very, you have a very grounded and you're very present. And, and that gave me the confidence and, you know, not, it gave me so many things with just life and working with energy and, you know, like uh, I learned so much, especially here, here it is, you know, when you're in an argument, for instance, what, what's your natural reaction to do is to oppose that. Well, in martial arts, when you have a lot of energy coming at you, you don't try to stop the train. You can't. You put the train on a different track. And often with my martial arts, I redirect the train back into itself because then the energy goes back into them that they've, that they've given me. So when somebody's coming at you combative, the, the best thing to do is to agree, first of all, with them because then it takes the argument away. So I was in this the other day and somebody was saying, you know, like, oh, I know why you're you're, you know, I sent a letter to a board of directors because it was stuff that's not going well. And I know what's under the hood, but they're not seeing it. And other people then came forward saying, yeah, I'm having this issue. But I had to put my head on the chopping block as a leader. And one of them said, oh, well, his ego was bruised. And I said, yeah, you're probably right if I had one. <laughs> yeah. So you were able to deflect. Yeah. And they kept trying to come at me with other stuff. They said, oh, well, I find that letter was very inappropriate. And I said, yeah, um, if you read it out of context, uh, it would be absolutely inappropriate. However, what you're missing is the rest of the information. So let me enlighten everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And that way you're not coming from a reactive place. Right. It was just kind of funny because I just laughed when they said something about the ego because I already felt like, yeah, they're going to throw this and this and this, but it has nothing to do with that. I just said would I do this because of my ego or because I want to help this organization because I believe in it? Yeah. You tell me, why am I doing this? What's my motivation? Yeah. <laughs> and people can have their imaginations go crazy about yeah. people's motives and intention and everything like right. that without having the context. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you just have to believe in yourself and that's really the big piece of wisdom is, you have everything you need to do everything that you're ever meant to do. You just need to believe in yourself, start there, and then you can bring that forward to the world. And that's, you know, who am I? I'm just thinking if I had done that and shut myself down, I would not be writing books because I think I hated English class. I can't write a book. As soon as I say that, you know what? I can't write a book. I'm on my fourth book and I have a fifth one uh, in script right now. And, you know, then how am I going to be a best selling author? Well, it is. So, you know, you you can make it happen. Yeah. Well, Robert, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show today. How can people stay in touch with you? Yep. There's uh, several, uh, one is my main website, which is, uh, the guide to the soul, which is, um, guide to the soul.com. 
And the other is uh, my marketing firm, which is Spiral Design, S-P-I-R-A-L design.com. And it, on both those, there's lots of social media and connections and wherever you want to follow or connect or message, it's all there. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Robert. We took away a lot of nuggets. <laughs> Acronym for love. We talked about emotional awareness. We talked about putting heart into business as well as being the everyday superhero and showing up as you want to be. And imagine as if it already is. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's a wrap. Thank you very much for joining us on the Millionaire Woman Show. We would love for you to go over to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Give us a hot <laughs> high fives and uh, write us a review. We would love also to hear how you enjoyed the podcast. You can message Robert. You can message myself. And we'll be sure to take your feedback and moving forward with new shows for the future. Also, you can pop over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where you can get your free gift ebook of 21 Habits High Achievers Kick to Achieve Success. Asmahamid Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And my wish for you as always is go out and make today great. On the next show, see you soon.